Welcome to Addicted to Busy, the podcast specifically for overachieving property managers who are dying for a little more work-life balance in their lives. Each week, we dismantle all the BS that holds us back. You'll learn how to nix those tricky self-sabotaging habits so that you have the time, energy, and motivation to create what you really want in life. If you're looking to shift from overcommitted to overjoyed, this is the podcast for you. Let's do this. Now, your host, Anna Havalyana. Hello, and welcome back to Addicted to Busy. So I have to tell you that I have been feeling so overwhelmed, but in a really good way. When I started Addicted to Busy, I wanted to do something where the tools that I teach in the course could be accessible to anyone in a self-study kind of format for free. And when I first started the podcast, not many people were opting in to get their hands on the journal questions. And I was really starting to wonder if they were even helpful or useful in any way and if I should keep, you know, putting the effort into creating them. But over the last few weeks, there have been so many more people who have downloaded the journal guide and who have shared how it's helping them. And I love teaching people about the value of journaling and doing thought work and how it can really improve our experience of the world and help us reach new goals. And it's also just fun to have some memorabilia of your past life as well. It's super humbling and a real honor to hear that managers are starting to connect with themselves better and getting to know themselves more intimately. And it feels really good to be able to pay it forward in the way that many of my coaches, teachers, therapists, and mentors have done for me. I wanted to make sure that I shared a response I once heard. I was telling a mentor how much they had helped me and thanked them for everything that they did for me. And instead of saying, you're welcome, I remember they told me, Anna, I didn't do shit. I just asked you a bunch of questions that you answered for yourself. You did all of the work. You did this. And I still think that she did a lot for me. And I think that she was really able to hold space for me and all of my flaws and not make them a problem. And that was instrumental to my growth. But I also want to reflect this to you for anybody who is using the journal questions and creating new results for themselves or getting to know themselves better. I would like to tell you the same, that I didn't do shit. I just started a podcast on the internet and gave you some questions to ponder. And the things that you're creating is all on you. You will know that thought work or journaling is working for you when you start to see multiple possibilities to handle the same situation. And I also want to make sure that I clarify the difference between thought work and journaling. Journaling is when you're just recapping what has happened in a day or thoughts that you have had over the course of time. Thought work is different in the sense that after you write down what happened in your day or the thoughts that you're thinking, you start to question those thoughts. You start to pay attention to the feelings and actions that come from those thoughts and you start to evaluate the results that you create in your life 
because of your thinking. So thought work is work. (laughs) It's where we're starting to seek out new potential ways to think about things and new potential ways to achieve the goals that we want. Now, whether you're doing thought work or just journaling, doing this isn't about necessarily showing up perfectly or doing it right every single time. It's about getting yourself out of the ruts that you're in and actively exploring new ways of showing up in the world. When it comes to showing up in new ways, what we're really looking at are the actions that we're taking. We're evaluating how we choose to spend our time and the places where we decide to give our energy. And what's important to note is that our actions are driven by emotions. In fact, the whole biological purpose of emotions is to get us to take action. Our brain is obsessed with staying alive. And even though we are no longer living as cavemen, our amygdala, which is the portion of the brain that controls the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response, our amygdalas are still going wild, trying to sort out the various quote-unquote threats to our existence. Even if you are not fully aware of the emotions that you're experiencing, that does not mean that your emotions are not at play. Feelings are vibrations in our bodies that are oftentimes created by the sentences we think in our brain. Feelings drive us to take action, but feelings can also drive us to not take action. I've worked with managers in the past who have told me that emotions are soft and that they don't want to spend any time exploring them, that they want to get to the doing of things. But that is the catch right there. Feelings and emotions are what spark our actions or our inactions. You don't get one without the other. So many people will have a goal and they will say, just tell me what to do. And I can certainly tell you what to do, but until you get a hold of the feelings that you're feeling or the feelings that you're trying to avoid with the easy button, you are not going to do what's asked of you. If you've ever started a diet plan and then quit and started another one, this is a prime example of what I'm talking about. When you're just trying to figure out what to do, instead of digging into the thoughts and feelings that spark your actions, you are missing half of the equation right there. If you recall from episodes number three and number 13, our brain has three main goals. It wants to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and then be efficient. And this is what we call the motivational triad. The problem with this is that it is remarkably easy these days to efficiently get pleasure and avoid pain. All you have to do is open up your phone and start scrolling or turn on Netflix and tune out for a moment or hop in your car and go through the drive-thru and get a frappuccino. There's nothing wrong with these actions, but unfortunately too much of these and you'll be sitting in more pain than you started with. What we need to start to do is reverse the motivational triad. We need to reverse the triangle. We have to delay gratification, sit with discomfort, 
and then maximize our effort or said another way, slow down our thinking. Again, just because you're not always aware of the feelings that are driving your actions does not mean that they are not at play. So when we think about reversing that motivational triad, part of slowing down will be identifying the feelings that you have. There is this false belief that emotions hold you back, but the whole purpose of emotion is to drive our actions. Understanding your emotions is a powerful skill and your level of understanding of your own emotions can either hinder you or it can propel you forward. Unfortunately, there is a stigma in the corporate world that implies that emotions and the expression of them is weak or unattractive. This stigma, alongside all of the other stigmas that accompany mental health, can often prevent people from taking steps that would allow them to become more in tune with their inner experience. Let me be very clear here. When I say understanding your emotions, I do not mean reacting to your emotions or being emotional. Understanding your emotions means that you know their purpose and you know how to effectively channel emotion in positive ways. It also means that you're open to actually feeling emotions and that you know how to withstand discomfort without reacting or trying to hit the easy button to make that feeling go away. When managers fear getting close to, or if they fear attempting to understand their emotions, they oftentimes put themselves at a higher risk of being snappy or overreactive. All in all, I think we have to be much more transparent and forgiving that overreactions happen. I get so frustrated when I hear a group of employees gossiping about another manager's reaction to something or how they handled something, as if we aren't all human. We all overreact, and anyone who dares to say they don't is likely very out of touch with themselves. Now, being transparent about overreactions and about feelings doesn't necessarily mean that we condone that behavior. Accepting and anticipating that overreactions happen doesn't mean that we're all just gonna go around being snarky and rude to each other and then just say, oops, just another overreaction, haha. That's not the point here. An overreaction is often an internal signal to you that there's something that you're not addressing. An overreaction is often a result of suppressed emotions or because we feel threatened in some way. Like I said, we all overreact from time to time. But a common response that I see from property managers is that rather than addressing the overreaction or apologizing either to the other person or yourself, instead, I'll watch managers just work harder and longer as if they had to make up for it. Or on the flip side, sometimes they'll just withdraw and become less engaged with their teams because they're feeling embarrassed. Now, this isn't to say that there is a right or a wrong way to handle an overreaction, but I do think that there is always a space to learn from them, to listen to them. In the Addicted to Busy group program, it's actually anticipated that at some point, 
you're gonna have an overreaction at, of some kind. And when that happens, we do what's called an overreaction recap, where we evaluate what went down and come up with some alternative ways to handle it in the future. There is a whole segment in the program on this. And by simply taking time to ask ourselves, what could I have done here instead? What we do is we start creating new options for our brains to consider the next time we find ourselves being close to losing our temper. Because let's be honest, this industry is brutal and there will be a next time when you're about to lose it. A little bit of self-reflection is going to allow you to create a backup plan. Remember, like I said earlier, you will know that thought work or journaling is working for you when you can start to see multiple possibilities for how to handle a situation. So why might it be useful to know a little bit about emotions? I always think of the scene in the movie, The Waterboy. And for those of you who haven't seen it, watching that movie is not a requirement to understand this concept. The Water Boy is an Adam Sandler movie from the 90s, and it's about a water boy who actually finds out he's amazing at football, but he's not necessarily the greatest student. And there's this scene where Bobby Boucher, the main character, is in an animal biology class, and the professor asks, why are alligators abnormally aggressive? Now, Bobby Boucher responds by saying, Mama says alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth, but no toothbrush. Now, the class laughs at him, and a different student explains that alligators are aggressive because their medulla oblongata is enlarged, and the medulla oblongata is a section of the brain that controls aggressive behavior. Now, Bobby Boucher, ironically, tackles the professor, calling attention to how perhaps his own medulla oblongata was a little bit dysregulated. Now, if you forgot this section of the movie or if you've never seen it, I actually linked up a clip in the show notes. It's not necessary to watch, but it's definitely a trip down memory lane. Knowing more about emotions and how they work can help you regulate them in high-stress situations. For example, if you start to feel your toddler brain getting worked up and aggressive, your boss brain can step in and say, hey, this is just your medulla oblongata getting the best of you. Now, I'm partially kidding. It's not a requirement that you know all of the sections of your brain and what they're responsible for. But more often than not, your boss brain, your prefrontal cortex, it can interrupt your thought pattern before you take an action that you might regret later. I'll give you an example of this. Anytime that I felt anxious in an owner's meeting, I would typically take the action of over-talking. I'll never forget there was a meeting I had with my manager and the asset manager of one of the properties I was managing and we were reviewing some CapEx projects and some renovations that we had done, and we were looking to see if the renovations that we had done were going to get the market rents that we were hoping to acquire. 
And the asset manager sat there very silently, which freaked me out. And so, of course, I started talking, (laughs) which was not helpful. The asset manager was trying to think and trying to look over the report. But that was my nervous system response to just feeling anxious in a meeting. Now, I compare this to a few years later, um, completely different client. I remember we were going on a site walk with the asset manager and a potential investor. And we were in the due diligence process of helping this client purchase a building and they needed the investor's financing in order to secure the deal. And I witnessed myself feeling that anxiety again. And I felt that twinge to start over talking again. And I remember my brain kicked in and said, oh my gosh, Anna, this is just anxiety. This is just the feeling and sensation of anxiety. This is just your nervous system kicking in. Because of that, I didn't over talk. I showed up differently. And in my opinion, the way I showed up was actually more professional. And the only thing that changed there was that I just had a better understanding of emotions and how they work. That's it. As I mentioned, your feelings do not hold you back. In fact, they drive you forward. But that's only if you understand how they work and how they reside in your body and what your typical actions are from certain emotions. This is one of the biggest benefits of completing thought work and journaling is that you can get in touch with your emotions and start to see how they affect your life. Listen, you don't need to go take a psychology course or anything of that nature. You just need to get in touch with yourself. So if any of this is resonating with you and you're down for this work and you want to learn more, come on over to our website and sign up for a free coaching call. You can do this by going to anahavalyana.com and clicking get free coaching in the top right hand corner. What we'll do is I'll offer you a free session so that you can see if coaching is right for you. And if it's not, you got a free session on the house and you won't hear from me again. If you want to set up your appointment, go to anahavalyana.com. That's a n a j a v as in Valentine, E-L-L-A-N-A.com. I love you all. Keep going. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Addicted to Busy. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.